before we get started, I want to point out that these conversations took place over the span of a few months and are not necessarily presented in the order they were recorded. Therefore, we may touch on some, but not all, current events. In addition, when we say women, we mean all women. Although our dialogue often generalizes women into one social group with shared experiences, we want to specifically express our support for women in minorities of race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, etc., and for those using their voices for positive change. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Sarah DeFores. And I'm Victoria Banks. This is The Table, a podcast by and about women in the entertainment industry. Welcome to episode 18, when we have a talk with publisher Mariah Topol. So pull up a chair and get nice and comfy, because everyone deserves a seat at The, the table. table. Do what you want, work what you got, say what you think, and don't let them stop you. Stop you, don't, don't let them stop. Stop you, don't, don't let them stop you. Don't, don't let them stop. Don't, don't let them stop you. Mariah Topol is a music industry professional originally from a small town in Wisconsin with a degree in music business from Belmont University. She has an unwavering passion for music, and upon graduation, she focused on supporting writers and artists, including heading up the merchandise operations for LBK's artist development company. Mariah's experience ranges from digital marketing, merchandising, artist management, and music publishing. Her move into publishing came into play about a year into her career in the role of Business and Creative Services Manager for LBK Entertainment and Music Publishing. Her unique ability to mentor both the creative and business assets of songwriters' careers led her to become both creative director and a partner in LBK. Now six years into the music business, she's worked with a multitude of artists, songwriters, and catalogs, including the likes of Trent Willman, Reggie Hamm, Mark Martell, Zane Williams, and many more, along with LBK's current roster of award-winning and multi-talented writers and artists, Marcus Humman, Ivory Lane, Kev Kelly, and Emma Brooke. So Mariah and I met, I don't know, maybe a little over a year ago. Um, one of my best friends and favorite writers of all time is signed with her company, LBK. Her name is Emma Brooke. And she introduced me to this wonderful, lovely team that I couldn't believe that I'd never heard about or ran into. And their office is uh, directly across the street from where I live. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, these people are so awesome. Um, and so Mariah, you've been in the industry six years, but you're originally from Wisconsin. Um, how did you end up in Nashville and kind of start your journey? Um, so it's really random. Um, I had always done music in school, uh, like growing up, always in like in the arts. So I did dance, I did choir, show choir, band, marching band, the whole thing. Um, that was kind of the only thing that ever kept my attention. Um, and so when it came time to figure out where to go to like college, I always knew I wanted to leave Wisconsin. Um, I love my hometown. I love going to visit. I'm going this week, but, um, I was like, I got to get out of here. Um, and <laughs> so that. I tried, I was like looking for colleges out of state, trying to figure out something in music. Randomly a family friend, like kind of a distant family friend, um, worked in music and so I talked to her and what she does well I don't know I don't even know if she does anymore but um she was the live at live sound engineer for Elton John for a long time wow very cool freaking cool yeah and I love going to shows like that's what I do all the time um like so I thought like that's what I'm gonna do and so I tried to mimic her route she had gone to school for audio engineering um and so I just looked up reputable audio engineering schools. I found Belmont, visited, and I was like, oh, Nashville's so great. Like, it's a big city, but still small feel. And I was just like, this is where I got to be. Yeah. So really random. I went to school for audio engineering for a year and then was like, mm, no, it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, I've, I feel like I've heard so many stories like that in this industry my my lawyer was going to school for engineering and everything and he was like I had to took a I had to take a law class and then I realized how much me and my peers were getting like thrown under the bus and so I just became a lawyer um, I feel like so many people wow. have those those stories where they started in one thing and really found their home Nashville's a really unique place like that I feel like all the wanderers and the dreamers and everybody we all kind of settle there so what what was it about the audio engineering that didn't call you and what made you shift yeah well funny enough um 
considering the focus of this podcast, um, was uh, my first class was like recording technology, just sort of like the history basics. Um, and I was the only girl in my whole class Wow. and, uh, was kind of like, oh, sweet, I'm going to find a guy in this class. Like, <laughs> I got this made. And, no, like, no one would talk to me. It was really weird. Um, I think they – I don't know if they, like, all were just sort of, like – I'm going to say they were intimidated by me. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And, like, thought I knew more than them or just, like, if she's in this class, she must be, like, really into this. I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, you go to college to learn. Like, mm-hmm. all these dudes have been, like – running sound in their, like, Mm. churches or their, you know, garage, like, recording their, like, high school band, all that kind of stuff, and I was like, man, I don't know if I, like, learning more about it, and especially in the, like, I thought I was going to go into live sound, um, and the more, and my advisor was also the, a recording technology professor, and, um, the more I kind of learned about it, it's, it's a kind of a lonely gig, especially, like, live sound, and, like, no one's ever happy with you like yeah. nothing's ever good <laughs> thankless um, job <laughs> I yeah, never thought I, about it that way but it makes sense <laughs> I had done I tried it out a little bit I did like an internship in a bigger town in Madison Wisconsin at this little coffee shop that would have like um you know small bands come through and like do mm-hmm. open mic nights and I started sort of like actually physically doing it and it was just a little too technical for me and I was like I just I don't think I have the ear for this um and so I was like well I'll shift and I learned that music business was a thing so I was like well let's see what that's like that's so cool that's such a fun fun route it I've always thought it's better to try things and realize you didn't have a passion than go wholeheartedly in one direction and never kind of try anything else because you never know and and with creative things I think a lot of people don't realize how creative they are until they start figuring out what they want to do for the rest of their lives and then you realize you want a little more freedom or a little more kind of whichever the way way the wind blows did you start working hands-on with artists and writers and the creative community more once you figured that out or did that come later once you started working in the industry um I would say I started um, kind of dipping my toes into it in college. Um, I One of my best friends was, you know, an aspiring artist, and I was like, I'm going to manage you. Like, that, we're going to do this together. So I dipped my toes in that. Um, you know, Belmont does these showcases, and I had a, a friend who her, um, her group got into the showcase, so, like, I was her manager for the showcase experience. So I dipped my toes into it a little bit in college, and that's – and that's what I interned with um, in, for one semester. So um, a little bit, but then really more hands-on once I started working. But even then, like not uh, probably super directly till like two years into to working like as a graduate. So Wow, uh, that's a great path. Did you... Um, if I remember correctly from your bio, did you start your internship at LBK and end up getting to stay there the whole time and now you're a partner or was there anything before that in Nashville? Yeah, so there was a little um, blip uh, that was my first internship at LBK. It was, um, we were kind of a a bigger organization with a a little more um, uh, hands in more things than just publishing. when I was interning uh and so I did that my junior year and then I the next semester I interned at um Warner Music Nashville in their digital marketing department so totally different Mm -hmm. I never thought I wanted to try to even check out a label it was super random how it like kind of fell into my lap um and so kind of got to see the the digital side and from a label perspective um but ultimately then when I was graduating, I had created a good enough relationship with one of the managers at this, when we were a larger company, um, and just hit him up and was like, Hey, let's catch up. And I like go in his office and sit down and he's like, so you need a job? And I was like, (laughs) sure do. (laughs) What do you got? (laughs) That's Um, amazing. One of the coolest things about 
Nashville in this industry is how many times you see that the opportunities that you get are through friendships, like through mm -hmm. people that you know and have worked with previously on some level. And so that's a, that's a great example of that, somebody that you, you had an existing relationship with and... Um, yeah. so, but you were so so when you started to work officially work for LBK, it was not long before you were kind of promoted to a pretty major position there, right? Yeah. So we went through a lot of changes, um, and through that, a bunch of shifting around. Um, I got to kind of just another like lucky shot. Like I'd been there long enough and sort of proven mainly my work ethic but not exactly like my specific role that I like had experience in that but just like sh showed a, a great work ethic and got that attention um and so they brought me in and said do you want to try the try publishing out um I had previously been doing all of our artists merchandising um and I was like and the company was splitting they were getting rid of that role so I was like well I'll sure I don't have anything else going on um but I'd really honestly never thought of publishing as something I was interested in um until getting that opportunity and just sort of diving deep and yeah we're we're small so you kind of you do everything and you learn everything and um just made a big enough you know impression on my boss and mm -hmm. he was like all right let's let's have you do this like full time and uh really go after it a big part of starting in a publishing position like that is absorbing everything that's in the catalog. And so did oh, you yeah. just eat it all up? And, and did you discover some things in there that you just loved and were excited about? Oh my gosh, yeah. Like the first, I don't know how long it was, but I pretty much spent all my time, like all day, every day, just like listening to songs and listening. It was the kind of the first moment I got to hear like these like voice memos of songwriters in the room with each other mm -hmm. um and I just was like oh my gosh this is so cool getting to hear like this I was like this is the closest I'll ever get to be part of like the creation process without being mm -hmm. the creator mm -hmm. um and I'm not the creative so it was like the perfect thing yeah that one of my favorite parts of those voice memos listening back even like my phone is like so full to the top of data right now it's insane and I was listening back to a lot of voice memos that probably will never see the light of day and I love how a lot of them the best sessions you have even though the song may not be a hit in in Nashville traditional terms um it's so fun I love the little chats at the beginning and end the little Woo, oh my god we finally got it take 20 like all those little conversations or when we mess up halfway through and there's just a giggle and you keep going because it's so much fun and even when it's really frustrating the work tapes sometimes are better for me than the finished product well and they have such an energy about them too just like the the energy of the song just being brand new and being given birth to in that moment basically and you can tell everybody's high yeah. on that and, and i love the random like and so like i think maybe like a guitar solo here and then like someone just like riffs it <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. i love those too so do you have a favorite part of of what you do and what you've come into because you've done a little bit of everything is there something that now that you're a little more settled and you've gotten to know the catalog and you guys are signing more people um do you have a favorite part of your job um I mean I love getting new music like I love when when music's turned in um I am I don't get as much time to just like sit and devote to just like listening to music and finding gems and you know really getting to um, dig in as much as I used to like when I was first starting out but so anytime I get like a new song mm -hmm. I'm just like oh yes I can't wait to listen to this and like because you just never know what it's going to be and then hearing that and getting to dream like okay what do we do with this like yeah what's next how can how can we bring this to life more or you know um has that changed any in quarantine because now so much is strictly digital and there's not a lot happening in person has that experience changed much or how has that been for your writers um yeah because we're super like artist drop-in friendly like mm -hmm. come on by whenever um 
I always poke and at Emma if she's in the gulch. I'm like, how long have you been bothering Mariah and Carl? You've been there six hours. <laughs> yeah, and we're like, if we have the time, because that's what we love to do, right, is like sit around and talk about songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has been a bummer um, because we don't get to do that in person. And especially with like, um, we're a development uh, partner on one of our writers who's an artist as well. And it's been really hard to do that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. not in person and be able to sit down and really have those brainstorm meetings and like that team camaraderie of, of, uh, feeling like we're on this together. We're still doing it. So it just, you don't get that same effect over email or like phone calls. So, mm-hmm. um, I just miss that sort of like, uh, that team feel mm-hmm. even though you know we do our team zooms yeah. and we do all that stuff it's just like it's your community it's a little more yeah at first I was like all about it and I was like oh man making phone calls all day long <laughs> and then I can go like make a great lunch I don't have to just like microwave this meal yeah. like there's only so long you can and, do that though yeah mm-hmm. and then you just kind of get exhausted by it all and you're like oh my god I can't look at my phone again yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah technology overload and I like for me I was 16 or 18 weeks like alone in my studio apartment and that's why I came home I was supposed to be home like a week or two and I ended up extending two months because I was like I didn't realize I was going a little bit crazy until I got here (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's so different but so you mentioned um a couple of your artists and writers and I'm curious going back to um one of the reasons you mentioned switching your path um, to a more creative route. Do you experience any difference um, on behalf of your writers or on your side when it comes to um, being a woman in the industry? Have you had similar or super different experiences since switching from that more engineering path into publishing? Um, I think that especially in country, um, it's you definitely deal with the like okay do we need to get a male to sing on this in order to pitch it mm-hmm. and or um you know can a can a guy artist hear through a female vocal like you have to think about all of those things and sometimes that's a little frustrating because you're like my writer can sing fabulously yeah. mm-hmm. and like if you got it like if you can't hear through it like a good sh- uh, song should be a good song. What a, what's, yeah. what's your experience on that? Like, because I know that's sort of been the general perception inside the industry is that women artists, female artists, can hear through a demo that's male or female sung, but male artists can only really picture themselves singing it if it's a male. Um, do you see that when you're pitching things? Is or are you less likely to pitch something with a female vocal to? A male artist? I mean, we're of the sort of mindset of like we're gonna pitch it anyway, and we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna see what happens when when we th- we've been doing a lot of let's get both versions, and we'll have both, mm-hmm. and you know let the ARs decide what they play for the artist, or you know let the managers decide um, what they think is gonna work best. Because I do think that like every artist is different, um, mm-hmm. so it's you can't like totally pigeonhole like all guys into that like all male artists um or not but uh so we've kind of been doing a a mix of both yeah because our our writer has a great voice and well it's a good idea too because it's also kind of short-sighted to if it's you know male heavy right now on radio and everything gets demoed male what happens if and when I say when the pendulum swings <laughs> right? the other yeah. way and then you know all of a sudden oh I don't have anything to pitch <laughs> yeah yeah for sure I mean I honestly hadn't thought about it that way but that's a great point like um is having that ready for uh all those badass females that are gonna have all the number ones yeah you yep. never know you're we're seeing so so much change right now in such a great direction um I love that your roster in particular is super diverse in terms of gender but also genre and styles of creativity you have are kind of more pop r&b you have um 
songwritery stuff. You have straight down the middle country. Um, you have artists, strictly just writers. You also have a gentleman whose name is skipping my mind right now who voiced the Freddie Mercury vocals in. Oh in, yeah, Mark Martell. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, yes. right? He was the he yeah. was Freddie Mercury's voice in that. Yes. Just I looked him up because I was like, who sang this? This is insane. <laughs> yeah, so yeah he's so talented. And so talented. You guys have such a great way of letting the creatives do their thing and not trying to put them in a box or steer them too much in a certain direction. Is that conscious for you guys or is that just how it's always been and it's worked? Um, it's it's a, maybe a little bit of both. Um, there's definitely, uh, and it, it sort of depends on the writer, but we do, we're very, um, for better or for worse sometimes, like definitely let um, our writers sort of uh, take that lead. Um, we're not going to, you know, totally, we're going to suggest and advise and give advice and, you know, say, um, give feedback, of course. Um, but we definitely like to like trust their instinct and their ability and why we, why we signed them and, um, give whatever advice we can for what we know is going to help them move forward or get, Mm -hmm. get cuts or get this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, What's your scouting process like when you're looking to sign people? How do you find them, and what makes somebody stand out to you when you're when you're looking? Oh man, um, I mean, it took a long time for us to. So we went through sort of our, my company went through a sort of overhaul. We had been a um, management publishing label services and events company. Um, and we spun off the management and events and publishing became its own thing. So a a lot of our roster, um, were, uh, management clients Mm. that we also supported through the publishing side. Um, and so through that transition, we did a lot of, you know, figuring out who makes sense to still be on the roster if we're not managing them, like what is what's that look like? What kind of roster do we want to have? Um, and we took a good while before we signed anyone new. Like we had our writers that we kept. Um, we just sort of let a lot non-renew or expire, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, and we're thinking, we had in mind that we were really going to focus on country first. Um, and, randomly our entertainment attorney sent me an email of um to a soundcloud link of it one of his he's an adjunct professor at Beaumont he's like this is one of my students like I think you he used to be one of my students I think you guys might like him and I heard it and was like oh what is this like Mm -hmm. this is nothing like I've heard and it was full-blown pop and that was like not our our goal at the moment but um that so that was sort of that's a unique way but a lot of stuff is you know from um word of mouth or um colleagues that we we trust Mm -hmm. in the industry um sort of people it's it works really well when people kind of know our company culture and send someone our way that they think will fit that Mm -hmm. that's kind of how a lot Mm -hmm. of things have happened um my my boss has just created a great you know, reputation for himself, um, and is just known for this sort of like welcoming songwriters come first mm-hmm. environment that we, that we really strive for. So, um, but you know, then you've got your writers rounds and your, um, you know, just friends of songwriters that we know, um, co-writers on stuff that were like, Hey, we're really liking these songs that you're writing with this person. Mm-hmm. Like what's their deal? What do they have going on? Um, that kind of stuff. But. I love that story because it, I, th- I think, you know, having started out in LA for me and knowing a lot of people who are new to town or um, haven't experienced too much of the industry side, I think people really overlook how important it is, like Vic said earlier, to have friendships and, and network and have connections, but how important it is to just um, be a good person and be yourself and because you never know where someone who will be on your team later 
can connect with you because we especially never think of people like lawyers as being quote unquote part of our team. But in a lot of spaces that is sometimes the first person on your team and very often the most important person on your team for a lot of your career. Um, And that's so cool. I think Nashville is such a special city um, and its industry is so unique in that way. I think it's a little more um, connection, community, kind of good hang driven than I've experienced Mm -hmm. other places. And that's so awesome that he would go out of his way to just share somebody that he thought would fit with you guys and then now you're on this journey was that kev yes Mm -hmm. okay he's fantastic guys kev kelly we'll put a link in our descriptions you can check out his music but he's fantastic yeah that was fun i wouldn't normally like i was ready to sign him after just hearing that link Mm -hmm. which i'm normally like i gotta meet you you gotta be a good like you said like you gotta i gotta know you're a decent person because like no one has time to work with assholes like (laughs) one of our um my colleagues I always feel so old when I say the word colleague but co-worker isn't quite yeah. like you know um but he his like number one rule of working in the music business is like if you can avoid it like never work with assholes like that's his number one rule. yeah so uh but anyway luckily I it all worked out great and I met him and we we all spent some time getting to know each other and I was like oh phew you're great like we can do this is that the the, um industry equivalent of like meeting your favorite writer or band and them just being really horrible now you can't listen to their music anymore because they're so yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, and you're like man you're not who I thought you were that sucks man I love it I love it when that turns out for the best Yeah. yeah I want to rewind for a second and just ask you about your experiences as a publisher, specifically as a female publisher. And Sarah and I have talked at length with people about the difference in how the industry is for female songwriters and female artists as opposed to their Mm -hmm. male counterparts. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like as a publisher that you have any um, disadvantages, differences in how you need to approach things? Do you experience um, a difference in how you are heard, how you are included in things? Or do you feel like you, um, do you have advantages? Yeah, I mean, I, I have been like super fortunate in that um, my boss, Carl, from the very beginning, um, of really working side by side. Um, he brought me to every meeting he's like ever had it. Even most of them made no sense for me to be there. Um, you know, and I don't know if I, and a lot of times I would feel this feeling of like, I think like everyone's probably just wondering like what I'm doing here. Like I'm not even really talking. Cause so much of it was just like observing and like soaking in as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt a lot of that, like, I don't know if it was be based on being, like, a woman or just, like, being young, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't quite sure. I mean, there's definitely been, like, moments, you know, when you're dealing with men who have been in the Nashville space for a long time. Um, and they just, they make little, like, quips and stuff, and you're just like, all right, like, get with the times. But um, I've been super lucky in that, like, Carl has just, he would just, he would just bring me places. He'd bring me to lunches with heads of other companies, and he would always refer to me as, even before I was a technical partner, we'll say, um, he would refer to me as his partner. It wasn't, you know, his employee or his, like, so having him was super helpful and kind of gave me the confidence because I was in enough of those rooms that I was like, I can do this. Like, it doesn't really matter who I am in terms of male female like this is this is just what we do we're all just trying to work um but I mean there's little things you think about like what I'm gonna wear and like how I'm gonna look and that kind of stuff um in terms of like what's professional and what's like cool and hip and like relatable Mm -hmm. you know like sometimes (laughs) I I struggle with or I don't really struggle but I'm just like what's the line there of like Nashville is so casual yeah 
Um, I'm not wearing a crop top or anything by any means, but sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I want to bring it re- really quick back to what you said about um, Carl taking you under his wing and um, really bringing you into spaces that you at the time didn't feel like you had business being there. I think that's such an important thing for for women in the industry because we've heard a couple of guests um, speak, you know, quote unquote, on the record and off the record, you know, while we're setting up um, about feeling like their male counterparts will, you know, be invited to golf and kind of in the boys club. And then they're like, I don't really have a space where I can like hang out and be mentored outside of an office. Um, And that's such an important thing. And I know, at least for me, having been able to witness you guys in your element that's something that you can really feel in the office just the inclusivity and the love and care for bringing up the next generation are you guys working on things right now that you're really excited about any projects do you have any interns at your office that you're training and really excited about and bringing into the new space like what's going on especially during the pandemic how are daily life things going yeah well um it started out like carl is very much about like being physically together so this was i knew this was going to be super tough on him and so i was like listen we can have a daily call like we can run (laughs) through just like what we're what we've been doing what we're working on what you know and so that we're staying connected so that was actually really helpful and we did that a ton at the beginning so like carl and i would have a daily call we everything else just turned to virtual um and has been largely seamless um other than just like the things you wish you could have in person but um it's been really hard to figure out how to you know break a new artist even a new Mm. like songwriter when you can't be having those face-to-face meetings Mm -hmm. um and you can't be traveling you can't be playing shows like Mm -hmm. that's been really hard um and trying to get creative and it's felt a lot of a lot like we had maybe like a week maybe two weeks where where everything just sort of stood still and like it was okay that you just were like kind of figuring it out and then I feel like everything just like took off and now it's like this is how you do it now and this is like there's no excuses you got to do this this and this and like if you're not doing if you're not doing five million IG lives like are you even working like yeah and just try to like keep up and stay on top and then but also be like forecasting for the future when you don't know it and and mm-hmm. it's hard enough to like get anything accomplished in the music industry on like mm-hmm. with long-term goals on a day-to-day basis like much less like mm-hmm. having to do it all from home it's such a social business right like so much of it is obviously the networking and relationships but also in the musical side of it it's the magic that happens from seeing someone perform from mm-hmm. you know hearing a song when it's brand new and and some of that's lost in translation when you're emailing an mp3 or even doing it you know over an ig live it's just not the same thing as being in the room and that magic is is not as palpable even though it's still sometimes yeah. there but I I can totally see the quandary of how do you launch an artist how do you break an artist how would you get a get somebody a record deal right now I mean how was that how would that happen (laughs) yeah and it's been a lot I mean in some ways like people are more open to those like just jumping on the phone you know we've never met but like let's talk let's you know um there's been a little bit more openness to that because we're all having to do that Mm -hmm. um a lot of it too is like trying to keep your creatives inspired um Mm -hmm when you know maybe not all of them are super great with recording themselves Hmm. so now what do you do like okay some of them are like I'm up for the challenge like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it I'm gonna like kind of teach myself this is like the time um and then others are like this is I just I don't I can't do technology like if I can't be in person like I can be writing, but like we can't be moving forward with any record. Like so, that's been a challenge. Um, and you know, measuring everyone's uh, capability and just like adaptability mm-hmm. to the whole situation, and having to be like checking in on people and be like, "How are you doing? Are you doing okay? How's your family? Like, are you? It's okay to take a break. Like, you know." That totally makes sense, and 
that's where when you look at gender differences traditionally women have been a little less comfortable with technology and operating their own recording equipment and stuff like that there are very few female producers um in nashville and uh so that's where it's like become super important to dare to suck and start doing that stuff hands-on for yourself yeah. and to get over any sort of feeling of imposter syndrome that you might have that you're, yeah. you're, you're not qualified to do it <laughs> because this is when you have to learn <laughs> yeah and emma's been killing it like she has really she'd kind of been like dabbling but she's now like fully able to record her own, like comp her own vocal, do it all and send it and sort of do all these things remotely. And we've got some really great demos out of this time, which has been comforting to us and, uh, and her too, of like, I'm making progress and we're, you know, we're actually doing things. Um, Cause at, when this all started, I was like, are we just gonna like, is this gonna be like a lost, totally lost time? Like, like what can we do so it doesn't feel like we just lost, you know, however many months, um, however many months this is gonna go on. And so um, that was really great to feel like, also for like company morale, like when we have our like mm-hmm. full staff meetings of like, we're still going, we're still moving, like we're actually getting great quality material and things to be working and um it kind of lightens the like feel of like we're not just gonna have thrown away 2020 completely you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that makes sense I think a lot of new skills Mm -hmm. I guess is the right word will come out of this we've talked a lot about that with people um how people are finding things that they never thought they could do and you know like you said learning how to do your own vocals and make it sound good put it together all that stuff I think optimistically maybe but I think 2021 is going to be a really creatively prosperous time because people have had some space when we can take everything that we're learning during this time and incorporate it back into sort of a more normal world it's gonna be so powerful because we've we've been forced to stretch the limits of a lot of things that, like for instance, the the technology of remote studios and you know we didn't even know we could do before really. I mean, some people were doing it, but it was very rare. So yeah. now it's like I I write a song with. Karen Kozowski and Mickey Guyton and Mickey's out in LA and Karen is like remote controlling Mickey's computer to engineer her vocal on from her computer oh, wow. they like made yeah. the EP that's coming out that way so I just think that's so cool once we have all that technology at our fingertips and plus the zoom writing process when you've figured out how to do that then when you can't be in the same room you can do that. Yeah. It's been huge for our international like co-writes, which previously had kind of been like, well, we'll get you over there and, you know, set you up. And once you're like, we can do it when you're there or they're right. here. And mm-hmm. that barrier's kind of been torn down, like, yeah. Um, yeah. in a good way, because there's been some great collaborations that we've had through trips where we've sent writers over there. Um, and it does feel, it kind of feels like it gets put on pause once you like get back, Mm -hmm. um, home Mm -hmm. and like, that was a nice week. And then I don't get to see them for another two years or whatever it might be. And so that's been a cool sort of, everyone had to adapt and sort of there, you couldn't quite say like, oh, I don't do that. And I think Mm -hmm. for, for the best, like we should not only do that, but, um, in those situations where you've got a huge like distance barrier um I think that's really great um I had one more question before we kind of wrap things up in a rapid fire um and I thought about it when we were chatting about your engagement yay before we started um and it made me think of Sarah Evans and Mickey Guyton and Emily Shackleton who we talked to in season one and they all um discuss kind of their own journeys in 
coming into those new phases of life where they got married and maybe had kids or just settled down a little bit more and lived more of a, a life outside of the office. And since you're you're starting to settle into that space and, you know, starting to plan a wedding and you just got a puppy and all this stuff, do you have you thought about that a lot and what that would look like for you and if things would change at all? Or have you talked with your fiance about that? Has that been um, part of the discussion recently? Um, not, I wouldn't say like recently, I always think about like, man, how do people do this with kids? Like mm-hmm. I want kids and I'm like, oh man, like how do you do it? I mean, mm-hmm. you just figure it out and mm-hmm. you do it. But I know this is absolutely no comparison, but like this puppy, I'm like, I can't do anything. I worked at a nan- as a nanny for a while. So like, um, I had that experience of where like you you're with the kid all day long or you get someone to be with the kid all day long. And, um, and there are huge challenges to both of those. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we haven't really like discussed that, but I do think about it. Um, I am lucky to be in a like work environment that's very like you're encouraged to yeah very supportive yeah and whatever it is like very supportive like you've got to look out for your yourself your family all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um so I don't like worry about it in that sense more just like how does that affect your sort of daily um life and uh that reminds me of another question that I had too or just as like a phrasing of a question that I was thinking of so I mean, you've worked in artist management, you work in publishing, merch, digital marketing, all these different aspects. So have you found that when you're out there in the world fighting battles on behalf of your roster, is there a different set of battles that you have to fight on behalf of the women? Yeah, there's definitely more. um, I mean, I feel like this is obvious, but because it's just so commonplace but there's way more scrutiny over of like my female artists appearance um and uh their their choices and a visual direction and all that kind of stuff than there are to like I don't get comments about what my male artists wore really Mm -hmm. at all um maybe like don't wear a hat. He needs to show his face, but like, yeah, right. <laughs> um, that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah. And I, I've seen it be a, a battle for the actual, for obviously for the artist too. And like, just like trying to figure themselves out, especially young when you're a new young artist and you're still figuring out like who you are, much less like who you are as an artist. And, like, mm-hmm. we all go through phases of, like, I love polka dots. I love that, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, but, like, ours aren't, like, broadcasts in press photos for the world forever, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So, there are battles in, you know, having to help support them in that choice mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. while also, like, wanting them to have the success that they're striving for yeah. and sort of balancing, like, what you know um how you know things are going to be perceived and whether that's going to be too big a hurdle or, you know, not like really when it comes down to like more just like visual direction and like consistency. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's interesting. Females, we just like to express ourselves all, and we're always changing and always like um, growing. Men are too, but they're, they generally don't like take real big fashion risks right oh that's interesting never thought about that yeah the big switches changes in direction of fashion and yeah yeah Hmm. because i think it's just like a natural part of a woman it's like that's a fun thing about being Mm-hmm. A woman. I think women also have a lot more options yeah. to expr- yeah. to <laughs> to change things up and be creative yeah. um, instead of the the same three different kinds of, of jeans and t shirts. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah. we, we're just offered more options too. That's true. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a great place to settle into our rapid fire, which is something we do at the end of each episode for everybody. We've done them ourselves. What or who is your favorite creator at the moment? I've always been a huge. Um, Taylor Swift fan uh, that's just like 
that was my prime. Um, and I, folklore album is really cool. New reinvention of herself. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm also a huge Dixie Chicks fan. So their new album was really exciting to me. Um, and I was really nervous for it because like, how do you like, as I was nervous for them, I was like, what are they going to (laughs) do? How do you come back after so much time? This is yeah, and like it was so good, and so like it's gonna really sadden me if this like new stuff is just like not mm-hmm. yeah, um, and it's different and it's it's cool and there's some songs I really have, I've had on repeat, but um, it is different and it's like a it's a little step into like the pop space and yeah. you know it's written with a lot of you know big pop writers and. Um, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they still held true to, like, their their core yeah. um, sound-ish. Like, they, they still had those Dixie Chicks elements into it. But mm-hmm. I also, actually, I love Louis Capaldi. I think he's, oh, yeah. like, fascinating. and he's so funny, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't oh, know... Gosh. I don't know his, like, skill set in the writer room. Um, but fabulous voice like he's so like he's so unabashedly himself and I just love that and it connects and it works and I think that's like a testament to like being yourself and don't you know that's what works okay so what is your favorite trend right now I'll uh, here's what I'll say my trend is because apparently I didn't realize this until it just showed up everywhere in my life is um I'm really into neon right now, just like bringing mm. some color mm. and like just yeah. cheeriness into yeah. uh, my space. Um, and so I ordered this phone case oh, off of you. Instagram. That is and awesome. I think they call it a yellow. Like, I don't know what the lighting looks like, but yes. And then right. I coincidentally got the exact same nail color um, <laughs> before the phone case ever came because I ordered it off of Instagram. <laughs> And it was coming from China, and it took, I ordered it, like, the first week of May, and it came, like, maybe three weeks ago. (laughs) In August. And so I was, like, so excited for my neon phone case. That was going to be, like, my little splash of neon. And I was like, well, I guess it's never going to get here, so I'll just paint my nails neon. And then it arrives. It's the exact same color. And it matches. And uh, now everywhere I go... People are like, wow, you really like neon. That's but, pretty amazing. I guess that's my trend. So what about what about the trend that you wish would stop right now? I would like the trend of um, signing artists off of one song on TikTok to go away. <gasps> mm-hmm. um, that pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel uh, like that's just such a risk. You never know. You never know if they write, how good they actually are, how much yeah, experience like, they have. Like none of that. Mm-hmm. These labels are just like buying them up for that one song, mm-hmm. and that's just like that makes me sad. Like maybe they're going to be a great, huge success, and they're going to go on to have so yeah. many other successes in their life. But um, that is a trend that I wish would go away. People telling me like, you got to get your artists on TikTok. You got to mm-hmm. get your artists on, and like. Ugh. It works. It like they're not wrong. It works and like it is actually a very like successful unlike other social media of translating to actual streaming numbers. Um it just for some reason the TikTok to Spotify or Apple or whatever streaming um correlation is legit. Mm-hmm. Um but I love to hate it. I'm like, yeah. ugh. I probably would not say that if one of my artists was like. Yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking yeah. of snapping them up and going back to lawyers being a part of your team, I feel like when that happens, so often they they don't know much about what goes on. And so there's such a risk of really getting taken advantage of. Yeah. So y'all, if you're two doctors out there, please get a lawyer if it yes. uh, gets to that yes, point. Yes, always. Um, always get a lawyer. <laughs> um, the last time you failed... Anytime I've failed in, like, my professional life, um, or what I would, I guess I consider personally, um, as failing, it's always comes down to communication. Mm -hmm. Um, that was always the, the failure, um, whether it's me or 
you know, team-wise or whatever, like, when something doesn't go right, it's generally a, a, comes down to the communication was off. Hmm. Yeah. That's a pretty astute observation about yourself. I've learned that the hard way, so... (laughs) sometimes it's better to over communicate than just like be moving too fast Mm -hmm. and then it catches up to you and you're like oh shit Mm -hmm. like yep I really should have told this person or run this by them like I was just moving too fast Mm -hmm. or like yeah I you know yeah I wanted to just like cross it off my list versus like really do it well Mm -hmm. fully you know that's great I think that's a that's a great observation um all right last question advice for the younger you if you could go back and talk to yourself at any point in the past and and give give younger you some advice what did you say i wish i had taken better advantage of the community that belmont provided Mm -hmm. um i came out of college with a fantastic fabulous like four really close friends um that are still um like I consider best friends today um but I didn't take advantage of sort of the like these are going to be your peers one day sort Mm -hmm. of thing um which if you are lucky enough to find yourself in that situation then I think you should I wish I would have maybe focused a little bit more on um my sort of peer group in the industry circle that I was like or the music business school or whatever um yeah that's that makes what complete I, sense. so many people I'm like we went to Belmont and we could have been like better friends because mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. know like we had a class together but like yeah. I yeah. kind of was in my own little bubble and so um that's what that's the advice I would give yeah, you don't really realize the importance of relationships until you're looking back on them and you see the value in the ones that you have now and you kind of wish you made more. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's great. Thank you so much for spending your your a part of your yeah. night with us and sharing your experiences. Yeah. It's great really to talk with you. And Thanks for asking me, guys. I was so honored. Of course. We couldn't wait to get you in for season two and we can't yeah. wait for everybody to hear it. To stay up to date on all things The Table on social media, join us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at the handle at sign the table women. Our theme song, Stop You, is written and performed by yours truly, Sarah DeFores, co-written by Taylor Foley and Will McBeth, and produced by Will McBeth. And as always, we'll include links to any creatives, music, television, etc. referenced in this episode in the episode notes. We'll see you next time on... The table. Do what you want, work what you got, say what you think, and don't let them stop you. Stop you, don't let them stop.